I remember walking down the aisle and picking out a pew, slipping inside of it, genuflecting before entering the pew, of course, and uh, kneeling down and just being filled with so much joy and gratitude and being, I don't know, feeling so light as if a huge burden had been lifted from me. And then I started to pray my penance. And as some of you may imagine, this is a description of what had happened to me one time after I had gone to the sacrament of confession. And this is when I came back to the faith. I had fallen away in middle school, came back in college, and was on a retreat in college. And on that retreat, I was convinced by one of the speakers to seek out and receive that merciful love, that forgiveness that God had to offer me in the confessional. So on that retreat, I decided to go to confession. And since it had been several years since I had gone to confession, I didn't exactly remember how it worked. So even though I went in there and I was kneeling behind the screen, um, I probably said something to the priest to that effect of, that it's been a while and I don't remember how this works. Because he prompted me with a question, how long has it been since your last confession? And at that point in time, I paused and I thought about it, and it had been so long that I couldn't remember how long it was. So I guessed the best as I could and said, more than five years. And then he prompted me to share my sins. And I braced myself briefly and wasn't quite sure where to start. But as soon as I started listing my sins, it was like, it was like a dam holding back all of the floodwaters just suddenly broke. And I was saying things so quickly, and I was just so overcome with emotion to be able to be set free of these things, that I'm not sure what I said even made any sense. But what was important was that I was handing all of this over to the Lord. I was letting go of all of the guilt of all of these sins that I had committed, and gave it to Him through His minister. And when I ran out of things that I could think of to say... I paused, and then I thought, oh no, what's he going to say? I wasn't sure what the priest would do. Was he going to reprimand me? Was he going to condemn me for all of these terrible things that I just said? It had been a while, I forgot how confession worked. Maybe that's what would happen. But no, that's not at all what happened. Um, Instead, he started telling me about God's love and his mercy. And he said that I was trying to do all of this on my own, and I should let the Lord in and help me on my journey. That I should rely upon the Lord and not just myself. And he gave me advice about the particular sins that I had committed. And then he gave me my penance, and I stumbled through an act of contrition. And he granted me absolution. And when I exited the confessional... Like I said at the beginning of the homily, just filled with this joy, this gratitude, as if this huge burden had been lifted from me. And that's not to say that every confession, that there would be that same kind of profound and awesome experience. But by faith we know that at every confession, we're set free from our sins. That God has forgiven us. So long as we had shared with him all of the serious sins, all of the mortal sins that we could think of, So long as we're truly sorry for those things, and the priest says the words of absolution, then we know with confidence that God has forgiven us, and we are set free. 
And so when we, in the Catholic Church, hear the word confession, we immediately think of the sacrament of confession. But to confess can mean something in a broader sense, too. It can mean to simply tell the truth or make something known. And in our gospel passage, both John the Baptist and Jesus Christ are confessing the truth of who Jesus is. But they do so indirectly. John the Baptist sends two of his disciples to Jesus. But it's not that John the Baptist had this question that he sent them with. It's not that John the Baptist doubted who Jesus was. It's important for us to remember that John the Baptist is the one who pointed out Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. That is John the Baptist who tried to prevent Jesus from being baptized by him, saying, You should be baptizing me. It's John the Baptist who considered himself not even worthy to touch the sandals on Jesus' feet. It's not that suddenly because he's in prison he doubted, but rather despite all of the things that he said to his disciples, these disciples still followed him instead of Jesus. And so he sent them to Jesus to ask the question not that he had, but to ask the question that they had. The question, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? John the Baptist knew who Jesus was. He confessed who Jesus was time and time again. But he sent these disciples at this time because he heard of the works of the Christ. Because he knew that Jesus was performing these miracles. And when he's performing these miracles, he's giving evidence to who he is. Recall what we heard from the prophet Isaiah. The eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be cleared. Then will the lame leap like a stag, and the tongue of the mute will sing. These things that Isaiah is declaring is evidence that the Messiah is here. And so when they ask Jesus the question, Jesus tells them to think about what they hear and what they see. He says, the blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. When they ask that question, are you the Christ, the one who is to come, or are we to look for another? Jesus could have simply said, yes, I am the Christ, I am the Messiah, come follow me. But he doesn't. He doesn't because these disciples were not following when John said that. And if Jesus just outright said that, that's not very convincing to these disciples who have these doubts. So instead, Jesus confesses who he is based upon the evidence based upon the miracles that he's performing, that he is fulfilling this prophecy of Isaiah, so that they know, well, Isaiah said, this is what the Messiah is going to do, and Jesus is doing this, so therefore, Jesus is the Messiah. So indirectly, Jesus is confessing who he is. But he also adds one remark at the end of his statements. He says, And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me, That part's not in Isaiah, but he's saying it to these disciples of John because he doesn't want himself to be a stumbling block for them to follow him. He wants to encourage them to be his own disciples. John the Baptist wants these disciples to switch, like St. Andrew, the apostle, did. He was a follower of John the Baptist, but when John the Baptist proclaimed who Jesus was, then Andrew started to follow Jesus. And he wants these disciples to do the same. And so we see in our gospel passage 
There is a confession taking place, a proclamation, a making known of the identity of Jesus Christ, that he is the Messiah, he is the Christ, he is the one to come. And we are called to confess as well, to confess the truth of Jesus Christ, but also to confess our sins and be reconciled to the God of the universe, to receive that loving grace and mercy that awaits us in the confessional. As we are preparing for the Christmas season, there will be lots of opportunities to confess to our friends and family members the truth of Jesus Christ. Of course, we should do so with prudence, taking account who it is we're talking to and our relationship with them and our past experiences. But there will be opportunities to share what Christ has done in our lives, how our faith has helped us to be better people, how we've been able to love others more fully and completely because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. But also to prepare our own hearts for the coming of the Lord, for us to receive that merciful love and forgiveness, for us to experience the joy that the Lord has to offer us by coming to him in the sacrament of reconciliation, in confession, and receiving that forgiveness that he wishes to offer us. We are blessed here at ICD in as much as we offer confession quite regularly. At 6 a.m., Monday through Friday, here in the chapel. At 6 p.m. on Wednesdays in the church, uh, until 6.45 p.m., or until all confessions have been heard. And Saturday at 4 p.m. in the church, before the 5 p.m. Mass, we have confession available regularly. But during this Advent season, we have additional opportunities as well. Every Saturday morning after Mass, we have two confessors here, one in the confessional and one in the side chapel. And we are going to have extra confessors on December 21st. It's a Wednesday, the last Wednesday before Christmas. We'll have three extra priests with us in the church, hearing confessions, plus your three resident priests. And we'll be there not only until 6.45, we'll be there until 9 p.m. So that anyone who wishes to receive the merciful love and forgiveness of God can come to that opportunity, experience the grace that God has to offer you in the sacrament of reconciliation. Be aware, though, that although we're going to start with six priests on December 21st, if the confessions slow down, if we don't need to keep six priests for all three hours, then some of them will likely be allowed to leave to attend to other ministerial needs. Uh, So we encourage you to come early and to be there to receive that sacrament from not only the three residential priests, but also three guest priests who will be there to hear your confessions as well. So let us take a moment to consider how we will prepare ourselves to confess to our brothers and sisters, friends and family members, the truth of Jesus Christ and how he has filled us with his love and joy, as well as making plans to go to the sacrament of reconciliation, to receive the merciful love, of our Lord that he has to offer us there. Let us make those plans as we prepare to meet Jesus Christ in the most Holy Eucharist.